0: Welcome back to the Community Online Podcast. Remember, you can always find us on Sundays streaming live at communityonline.tv. We hope to see you there. A recent news story grabbed my attention. And when I tell you about it, you'll know exactly why. It was a story about a guy named John Cisna. John's a high school science teacher from Iowa. John lost 56 pounds in six months by eating, check this out, Nothing but McDonald's. What? You heard that right. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, McDonald's, McDonald's, McDonald's. Every single day for six months, only ate McDonald's. And he didn't just lose weight. The article also said he lowered his cholesterol and lost 21 inches off his chest, waist, and hips while dining only at Mickey D's. It was actually a pretty big story. And the reason is because nobody gets healthier eating more McDonald's. And I know, I mean, because I tried it in college. I love a quarter pounder with cheese, large fry, Diet Coke, and a chocolate shake for dessert. But that's been a very long time ago. Now, I mean, just just smell French fries, and I gained two pounds. All right, so how did John Cisna do it? How did he only do it by just eating McDonald's? Well, it turns out there's a little more to the story. Yes, John only ate McDonald's, but he ate very specific items from McDonald's. He ate very specific quantities from McDonald's. And the diet was something that he planned with the students from his science class as an experiment. And the experiment put him on a strict caloric intake every day. So it wasn't actually the McDonald's that made the difference. It was actually eating less that made the difference. Now, I start with that story because eating better and losing weight is something we talk about a lot as we start the new year. Now, whether you're a person who makes New Year's resolutions or not, the truth is most people see the new year as an opportunity to get a fresh start, not just diet and exercise, but with just about everything. And research tells us that marker events like a new year are a great time to put an end to some bad habits and start some good ones. But here's the mistake, okay? Here's the mistake Most people make, maybe even you, most people think that change needs to happen. The change that needs to happen in the new year is to focus on more, like um, more vegetables eaten, or more time in the gym, or more miles logged, or more books read, or more projects completed, more commitment, more effort, more discipline. And so, what do we do? We create our big list of more. We buy the Peloton, or we find the perfect goal app to remind us of what more we need to do and we take our best intentions and wrap them in all the willpower we can muster. And unfortunately, for most of us, by February 1st, the promise of more completely fails. So I wanna suggest something totally counterintuitive to you. Are you ready? What if what we really need in this coming year is not more, but actually less? What if what we really need for 2024 to be the best year of our lives is not more, but instead less? And I want you to hang in there with me and just see what you think. Today, we're starting a brand new series called, Are You a Disciple? And Jesus is very clear. There are certain qualities and practices that will be evident in the life of a disciple. And in the coming weeks, we're going to explore several things Jesus said about being a disciple, such as he said, um, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. He said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. He said, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. And he said, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Now, that might look like an intimidating list, but I'm telling you, if you stick with us for all four weeks, I'm convinced you'll be both inspired and equipped to live as a disciple of Jesus in 2024 and just maybe have the best year of your life. Now, this series also coincides with our 21 days of prayer and fasting that starts tomorrow. It's a time that we intentionally set aside this space to hear from God so we can do what He says. Because remember, remember what our definition of a disciple is? Our definition of a disciple is someone who hears from God and does what He says someone who hears from God and does what he says. Now, I'm gonna talk more about those 21 days of prayer and fasting later. Now, to start though, I want us to look at the first, this first saying of Jesus. And Jesus very plainly lays out what it will take to be a disciple. And here's what he says, Luke 9, 23. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Let's take a little time today And I want to explore these three, really, what are supposed to be everyday activities of a disciple. Deny yourself, take up your cross, follow Jesus. All right, first, what does it mean to deny yourself? All right, here you go. Deny yourself means less feeding your own appetite. When I think of uh, denying myself, I think of becoming a parent. I mean, when Sue and I were newlyweds, we were dinks. You know, double income, no kids. So if we wanted to go out to eat, we went out to eat. If we wanted to do something fun, we did something fun. We didn't really think about saving or planning for the future. It was all about right now, what we wanted to do in this moment. And then came kids, Amy, Josh, and Caleb. And with kids, as many of you know, come the need for you know diapers and doctor's appointments and braces and music lessons and sports. Sports leagues and saving for college and all of that meant a lot less eating out, a lot less doing whatever we wanted, whenever we wanted. I had to learn how to deny myself. And I tell people, you know, being a parent's exhausting. I mean, when they're in preschool, it's physically exhausting. Then when they're teenagers, right, it's emotionally exhausted. And then when you go to college, it's financially exhausting. (laughs) And parenting is a season that teaches you, I think in many ways, self-denial. And was it worth it? Absolutely. It was one of the greatest privileges and joy of my life to be a dad. But I had to learn how to deny myself. Author Richard Foster defines denying yourself this way. Self-denial is simply a way of coming to understand that we do not have to have our own way. Our happiness is not dependent upon getting what we want let that sink in and i think that's one of the reasons our 21 days of prayer and fasting has been really important to me these 21 days provide a specific window of time where i'm saying no to myself to create space to say yes to god and specifically fasting kind of disrupts some of my own comfortable rhythms and habits and The discomfort that comes with fasting then serves as a reminder that I'm a disciple who denies myself, so I can hear from God. I mean, if I'm fasting from social media, when I have that instinct, you know, to pull out the phone and start scrolling, I resist that and instead spend time with God, listening to God. Or if I'm fasting from sweets, when I get that sugar craving at eight p.m. for some ice cream, I slowly back away from the freezer and instead reflect on my day. Uh, Maybe I journal, maybe I spend some time praying. If I'm fasting from coffee, honestly, you should probably just keep your distance. Even God's like, hey Dave, go have a latte and get back to me. (laughs) But but fasting, fasting is kind of like, it's kind of like having a kid, at least for me. It's a way to grow your self-denying muscles, to help break your compulsion, to have to always feed your wants and your appetites. And our 21 days of prayer and fasting, like I said, it starts tomorrow. And here's the thing. I wanna challenge every one of you to join us. Every one of you. And here's the good news. You get to decide what it looks like, this fast. Maybe you fast from meals from sunup to sundown. I mean, that's exactly what I'll be doing. Or maybe you fast one day a week for these three weeks. Or maybe you choose to fast from social media or Netflix. Um, you could decide. You could decide what it looks like for you. But here's my encouragement. Choose to fast from something. I believe spending 21 days intentionally denying yourself, intentionally doing less, doing less to feed your own appetite could be the most powerful thing you do to make 2024 the best year ever. So, Jesus says, Disciples, they deny themselves, but then he adds, they take up their cross. All right, what does that mean, take up your cross? I think this idea of cross-bearing is very misunderstood. Um, Later this month, I have an exponential board meeting in warm and sunny Southern California. And I've been telling people, oh, it's my cross to bear. A board meeting in Santa Monica, you know, in January. Ever heard someone jokingly say something like that? Or have you ever heard someone refer to a disappointing situation, and they say with seriousness, well, that's their cross to bear, or maybe to themselves, it's just my cross to bear. And see, when we use cross-bearing like that, we mean it like it's a burden or trial that we have to put up with, that we don't deserve it, but we're going to get through it. And see, that is not, that is not at all what Jesus is talking about when he says, take up your cross. All right, so what is Jesus talking about when he says, take up your cross? First thing, we have to remember this. Don't forget this, that when Jesus told us, take up your cross, that was before he was crucified. Before he was crucified. So while this metaphor would definitely take on greater meaning after his death, it had a very specific meaning to his disciples then before his death, and it should for us today as well. See, crucifixion was reserved specifically for those who were offenders who'd been found guilty of rebelling against authority. Let me repeat that, okay? Crucifixion was reserved specifically for those who are offenders who are found guilty of rebelling against authority. When Jesus says take your cross, he means for us to have that kind of a picture in mind, for us to picture, okay, someone admitting their guilt to the authorities, submitting themselves to carrying the crossbeam of a cross upon which they be executed, he actually wanted us to picture them carrying it to the very site where their execution would take place. And this, this is the word picture that Jesus is painting for us. And the action of carrying that cross beam would be a demonstration to all that this person knew they were guilty as charged. And, and they are so completely surrendered to the authorities that their last act in life was to carry the instrument of their demise to the place of their death. All right, can you, can you picture that? I mean, it's not a bright and cheery picture. And, and candidly, it wasn't meant to be. Sometimes, and for our own good, I think Jesus reminds us of our sin and what we deserve, which is the cross. Now now here's what's so broken about me okay and I have a hunch about you too that even though we deserve the cross we all okay I think me and probably you we still have this impulse to crown ourselves as king and instead put ourselves instead of putting ourselves on the cross we put ourselves on the throne So here's what we're talking about Take up their cross. When Jesus said that, take up their cross means less of being in charge. See, when Jesus calls for cross-bearing, he's asking us to make it clear that he is in authority, that he is king and not me. And here's the truth that every Christ follower needs to come to grips with. The decision to be a disciple of Jesus means taking the crown off your own head, and then placing it on the head of Jesus, and then bowing down and giving Him complete and total allegiance. Now, now some of you have been around church a while, and maybe you're thinking already, you're going like, well, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I did that. I mean, many years ago, I was in church and the pastor asked us to raise our hand if we want to make Jesus Lord. And I raised my hand and I said, Yes, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. I've taken up my cross. Or you might be thinking, Well, hold on, I was baptized. I was baptized in this church. Might have been a few years ago or a few weeks ago. And you're thinking, I got baptized in front of a whole crowd of people. And I said, Yes to Jesus as my King. Either those, if you did that, that's good and it's important. But notice Jesus adds a modifier to the challenge of take up your cross. He says, take up your cross, what's the word there? Daily. It's not a one-time event. It's not a one-time act of obedience, but instead this take up your cross is an everyday occurrence for a disciple of Jesus, this cross bearing. That means every morning when our feet touch the ground, we take up our cross, say, okay, Jesus, you have authority. How do I spend my time today? Jesus, you are Lord, you're the boss of all my resources, what I spend or don't spend today. Jesus, you are king, not only of my actions, but every thought that I have today. And Jesus, you will dictate what I say or don't say today. And so Jesus, I submit to you all my relationships all my ambitions, all my desires, because today is another day where you are king and I am not. Taking up your cross is a daily choice to be less in charge. It's a daily choice to be less in charge. Let let me add a, a quick sidebar, since we're on the front end of 2024, an election year. Uh, Over the next 10 months, a whole lot of people are going to spend a whole lot of money trying to convince you who should be king or who shouldn't be king, so to speak, for the next four years. Make sure, as a disciple of Jesus, that every day leading up to November, that you do not dare pledge your allegiance to a donkey or to an elephant. But instead every day your sole allegiance is only to the lamb of god that jesus is king and that first and foremost you're a citizen of that kingdom and that as a church we identify that jesus is our king and we are a part of his kingdom i think it's gonna be really important this coming year so back to what jesus says about being a disciple jesus says disciple of jesus is this they deny themselves they take up the cross daily. And then thirdly, they follow Jesus. They follow Jesus. Here at Community, uh, we describe following Jesus as the you plus life. Now, many people choose to live the you life. Um, the you life is totally focused on you. The you life is centered on, on you getting what you want. And the you life caters only to your desires and make, make sure those are met. The you life can be recognized by this kind of unbridled pursuit of power and wealth and comfort and prestige. But the you plus life, as we call it, is the kind of life that Jesus offers us. It's a life that's not focused just on you. Because to follow Jesus, that means less focus on myself. Instead, following Jesus is focused on three very real Intentional relational connections, you plus God, you plus the church, and you plus the world. This you plus life is a life that Jesus promises will be life and life more abundant. Uh, New York Times columnist David Brooks recently wrote a book uh, titled The Second Mountain. He describes first mountain people, and then he describes second mountain people. Now, first mountain people he describes as people who have self-centered goals, self-centered goals. And then second mountain people are people that set goals that focus more on community and relationships and service. And he challenges his readers to move from the first mountain to the second mountain. In fact, in the book, Brooks says this, he says, "'It's gotten so I can recognize first and second mountain people. Those on the first mountain of life tend to focus on themselves on establishing an identity, on managing their reputations, on status and reward. The second mountain is about shedding the ego and losing the self, about contribution rather than acquisition, egalitarianism rather than elitism. The satisfaction of second mountain people is deeper and it leads not to happiness, but to joy. And I want a U-plus second mountain kind of life, I'm telling you, for every one of you. And and that's why community is encouraging every person to have a U-plus discipleship conversation in 2024. We want you to connect every year, every year we do this with another person who will help you determine what are my next steps in my relationship with God? What are my next steps in my relationship with this church? What are my next steps in making a difference in my relationship with the world? And here's something exciting. I'm excited to let you know that we have a brand new kind of first step to prepare you for your 2024 U Plus Discipleship Conversation. It's a U Plus devotional experience. And I believe this is gonna tie in perfectly with our 21 days of prayer and fasting because the devotional experience is designed for you to set aside time to actually hear from God. It might even be how you wanna kick off the first day of your fast. You, You can start your fast with a devotional experience and then go ahead and schedule your 2024 U plus discipleship conversation right after that. In fact, here's a good next step. Just scan the QR code, it's on the screen there, and you can learn more about the U plus discipleship conversations. And again, we're asking everyone, every person that calls community their church home and claims to be a disciple of Jesus to go through a U plus conversation every year. Same way we do 21 days of prayer and fasting, every year we do a U plus conversation. Why? because Jesus is calling us to deny yourself, to take up your cross and follow him. At the beginning of this message, we talked about New Year's resolutions and our tendency to try to build the life we want by adding more and more and more. Well, friends, let's make 2024 the year where there's less of us so we can make room for more of God. And so as we begin 2024, I want to invite you to join me and the rest of your church in trying less. Starting tomorrow, again, I'm emphasizing, starting tomorrow, we're going to begin 21 days of prayer and fasting, an intentional time where we do this. We deny ourselves so we can focus on hearing from God. Now, like I mentioned, I'm going to be fasting from sunrise to sunset every day for 21 days. Why? I'm doing less to make room for more of God. Maybe some of you could choose to do a similar fast, and that'd be great. Or like I said, maybe the best way for you to engage in these 21 days is to fast, you know, one meal uh, every week. Um, or maybe it's one meal every day. Or um, maybe you fast from sweets or you fast from social media or Netflix. You decide. Ask God to lead you in how you should participate in this year's 21 days and then do what He says. And when you get that craving or your stomach growls, or you instinctively reach for the phone or the remote or whatever, let that be a reminder to connect with God. A disciple of Jesus is identified by their countercultural commitment to less. Friends, let's make 2024 the year where there's less of us to make room for more of God. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. Our mission is to help you find your way back to God And by listening today, you've already taken your first step. And we'd love to help you take a next step in your relationship with God, the church, and the world. It's how we're all embracing the flourishing life that Jesus talks about. A life we call U+. Visit communitychristian.org to take a next step, learn more, give generously, and plan your visit. We hope to see you on a Sunday soon.